All right. Well, we are now well into our uh, first evening here at the Boston School of Modern Languages. And uh, did I tell you I was excited about this? I think I have. Yeah. Okay. So um, uh, let me just say, I, I, really, I really feel like uh, God has, is going to use this place to open some doors for us to reach even more people than we've been reaching. And so uh, that's an exciting thing. And so, again, I'd, I'd just ask you guys to help us spread the word, if you would, and uh, let people know where we're at and uh, bring a friend and uh, let them uh, come and feel the love that Christ has for them through his people. So uh, I do want to say thank you to those of you guys who have helped us make the transition. Uh, some of you guys have done all kinds of work and, and different things to help this, this happen. So uh, grateful for you. All right. Um, I do want to uh, make you aware of just a, a, a few things that are happening. Um, in two weeks from today, we won't be here. So we're here at 6 p.m. moving forward with the exception of two weeks from today. We're going to be having a church picnic at Fallon Field. And for those of you guys who uh, don't know this area very well, if you come out the back door here, uh, you just kind of take a right and just go straight. As far as you can see, that's Fallon Field. You'll end up in right field of the baseball field. And so that's where we're going to have our, our church picnic. It'll be a good time. It's from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. And so if you want to sign up at the uh, Connections area to uh, bring uh, some kind of dish, maybe your favorite cookout dish or dessert, and uh, I like deviled eggs, just so you know. So make that happen, somebody. Come on. Uh, and, and you can sign up for that. And then also bring a lawn chair or a blanket, and we'll bring some part games and just have a good time, get to know each other better. And uh, as we pick up a few new people along the way uh, showing up here, maybe it's an opportunity for them to grow a little more connected with us. And so uh, it'll be a good time, good afternoon. So um, be planning that um, in, on, the, uh, on the 5th, and so two weeks from today. One more thing I want to make you guys aware of, um, if you don't know about it, inside the um, river guide, it says on the right, bottom right corner, it talks about the connection groups that we have. These are groups that are designed to help you connect in meaningful relationships with each other, and then in a deeper, meaningful relationship with uh, the Lord. And so it's, it's a very casual, kind of non-threatening environment. We'd love to have you come. We, we have food and coffee. We usually play some games and and pray for each other a bit, and uh, do a, a Bible study. And so we'd love to have you guys check those out, um, and uh, we, we would love to have you. There's a couple ways you can communicate to us that you're, you're interested in that. In that white connection card at the bottom, you can let us know that you're interested just on that card, and we'll contact you. Or there's group leaders' uh, emails and contacts, whatever, listed at the bottom right corner of your, uh, your river guide, and you can just contact one of those guys, and they'd love to... Uh, love to get in touch with you, all right? So we, we really have a heart to see us grow increasingly connected with each other and uh, increasingly connected with uh, the Lord. So with Christ and his church is, is one thing that we often say. And so just so you know, uh, in this area, um, for those of you who don't know Rosendale very well, um, there's, there's all kinds of things. This is another part of why we landed here. There's all kinds of things in the area for you to do before or after church. Like I said before, there's Fallon Field, uh, a block that way, two blocks behind me, is the uh, Harvard Arboretum with hiking trails. And for all you horticulturalists out there, uh, there's flowers and all that fun stuff to look at. And they're all tagged. So if you like, you know, the uh, periodic table and all that good stuff, you can go to the Arboretum. And then also, if you go under the train tracks over here, there's a little tunnel. And you come out and there's select cafe, coffee shop, there's Italian restaurants and all kinds of other things for you to do. And so just to let you know, there's things to do and we'd love to encourage you to before and after, uh, make it a point to, to, to consider mingling with somebody and getting to know somebody you didn't already know. We talked about hospitality last week, 
And so make it happen. All right? Let me pray for us. We'll jump into God's word. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. And Lord, we thank you on so many different levels uh, how much of a blessing it is to us, this young startup church. And God, we pray that this church would grow into all that you want it to be. Lord, that we would, we would be the, the pillar and support of the truth, that we would never stray from the gospel, we would never stray from your word, that long after, after we're gone, that this church would be a pillar and support of your truth here in West Boston. And God, we, we ask that you would use us in these early days to, to raise up the banner of Jesus in this area, and that you would be glorified because of that. God, I pray for everybody in the room that, that they would uh, grow increasingly connected with you and with your bride, the church. And, and God, I, I ask that uh, it would begin to happen even this evening. And um, Father, as we talk about some stuff that's really important uh, for us uh, tonight, I pray that, that you would illuminate your scriptures so that it might be very pinpointed to our hearts and what we're going through, our issues, and that, Lord, that you would... Uh, Allow your word not to return void, but it would really fulfill what you sent it forth for in our hearts and in our lives today. And uh, God, we do just want to pray uh, a special blessing over this building, that as we enter into this building as, as believers, as, as, as people who are temples of the Holy Spirit, that your spirit would reign in this place even tonight and from this day forward. Lord, it's, it's crazy to think that this was once a church and now it's a school and that uh, by your, your, your perfect plan, uh, it's, it's a church again. And uh, we're singing your praises in this building once again, God. And we praise you for that. And uh, I pray that tonight you would do what you want to do. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, grab your Bible. Start flipping open towards Galatians. I'll let you go ahead and start working your way uh, in that direction, Galatians. If you, uh, if you uh, don't have a Bible of your very own, on the way in, always you can grab one. But uh, we'll... Uh, We'll uh, let you um, just grab one um, now if you need to get up and get one, or somebody can pass one out to you. But uh, it's on those, those Bibles on page 835, and we'll always have the Scripture up on the screen. So start working your way towards Galatians. We'll land there in, in a second. So for the past month, we've been in this series that we're calling uh, the One Another series. And, and what we're doing is we're looking together at the many, many occurrences of the phrase one another in the New Testament. And in the original language, it's this word, alelone, and it just shows up time and time and time again. It shows up over 40 times in the New Testament. Uh, 23 to 24 of those occurrences are actually commandments to the church. And so let me just tell you that, here's the thing, God doesn't babble. God doesn't babble in his words. See, I, I, as you know, you know me, I tend to babble a little bit, but God, God doesn't babble. See, 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is breathed out by God and it is useful. And so every single occurrence of that word, alelone, is important. And so I, I guess I just want to start by reminding you, uh, just an overview of the series, why in the world the frequency of this word, alelone, one another, this phrase in the New Testament. And the reason is because we're not supposed to live out this faith alone. We've said it that, that, that the Christian faith is a team sport, right? It's like if, you, if you're going to be a Christian and, and, and live it alone, it's like you're the kid with the baseball glove throwing the ball in the air. You're, you're, you're throwing the baseball, but you're not really playing baseball, right? And so we, we, we want to emphasize that again as we jump into it uh, this week. And, and it's crazy because you, you think God knows what he's talking about because every time I've seen people 
sink in and, and retreat from Christian fellowship and community, you think God knows what he's talking about because every time I see that happen, I also see somebody's faith crash. And, and I think uh, God is, is very, very um, uh, strategic in telling us to live this faith out with a lay loan, with one another. And, and I might be preaching to the choir here because, well, you're here, right? However, um, I, I do want to say this. I, I think most of us would agree, yes, the faith should be lived out together. Uh, but let me ask you a, a kind of a pointed question. Is do you really think you would be saying that when it gets tough? I mean, really, when it gets tough, are you going to say, oh yeah, one another, one another, or are you going to retreat and, and kind of move into isolation as, as many do? And, and tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to look at one of the greatest resources of the church, one of the greatest resources of living this thing out together, and, and that is this thing called burden sharing, burden sharing. And so tonight's one another is to bear one another's burdens, as it says in Galatians. And in this series, we've seen the umbrella one another, where uh, Christ says, I want you to love one another just as I have loved you, John 13. We saw uh, the, the one another where he says to encourage one another. We've seen show hospitality to one another. And then this week, we see bear the burdens of one another. So let's check it out. Galatians chapter 6 and um, verses 1 through 3. Tonight, And if you come for our group on uh, Tuesday at my place, we'll work through verses 4 and 5, which will confuse the mess out of you. But they're there and they're great. So let's read it. Galatians 6, 1 through 3. He says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. We've covered that one several times in the short history of our church. Now, verse 2. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And so, there it is. That's where we've landed tonight. And in order for us to get anything from God's Word tonight, we really have to start here with an acknowledgement. We have to acknowledge, truth number one, that, that we've got burdens. You get that? You, some of you are like, amen, brother. Preach it, right? We've got burdens. We've got burdens. We have any runners in here? Just raise your hand. You, you, anybody a runner? All right, you healthy ones. It's good for you. So I was a runner in high school. And uh, when I was in high school, um, a sophomore in high school, I joined the cross-country team. Uh, if you don't know anything about cross-country, you're not actually running across the country, but you're running across, you know, the woods. And you're running, it's a 5K or a 3.1-mile race. And so I, I joined the team. And I remember my, um, my, my parents took me out. Uh, when I decided to run, join the team and, and, and bought me a pair of Saucony, you know, the trail running shoes, these nice sneakers. And uh, they were the most expensive pair of shoes I had ever owned up to that point in my life. And so I remember when um, my, my first practice rolled around, I had these nice new Saucony trail running shoes. I was so proud of them. Uh, I remember getting out on the trail. The school had a trail of its own, a, a 5K trail behind the building. I remember getting out on the trail and, you know, running along. And as I would run, I'd almost trip because I keep checking out my cool shoes. You know, I was so proud of these things. And, uh, and uh, man, for the, first, uh, for the first few practices, what I would do is when I got home, I would pull a Mr. Rogers and, and I would take my shoes off 
and I would, I, would, I would get a wet rag, and I would clean these bad boys. I was just so proud of these shoes. I would clean them off, and, and I'd wear them to school the next day for school, and then I'd wear them off to, to practice, and, and then they'd get dirty, and I'd do the, the, the cycle all over again for the first few practices. But the problem was there was this, this ravine in the, the trail that the school had, and, and, and for, uh, for the first few weeks of practice, I'm so proud of my new shoes, I would be running the trail. And when we get to the ravine, I would, I would slow down a bit and then go down into the ravine and kind of, you know, do the awkward, I mean, the awkward jump over the muddy brook at the bottom of the ravine because I, I wanted to protect my, my new prized pair of, of sneakers. And, and I would do that time and time again until finally uh, one of the, the captains on the team said, bro, seriously, are you serious right now? If you're going to run out here with us, you're going to get dirty. If you're going to run out here, you're, you're going to get dirty. And so uh, I eventually kind of, you know, faced that reality, even though I was so proud of my shoes. And, and eventually, when I became an, uh, an upperclassman, I became the, one of the co-captains of the team. And, and kind of a tradition that we started is whenever we would run the, the trail, um, from time to time, just kind of a pride thing, we would just intentionally smash through the ravine and through the, the muddy brook at the bottom. And it was kind of, you know, if you had mud on you and on your shoes, it was, it was symbolic of you had a good run today. You know, it was just kind of this, you know, like football players when they have blood or mud on their, you know, it's a great thing. And same thing for us nerdy, uh, skinny cross-country runners in short shorts. And so that was a sign of, of a good run. And uh, here's the thing. That upperclassmen's words really ring true for us today, don't they? I mean, they, real, they really do, that if you're going to run this race, if you're going to live this, this life, you're going to get dirty. <laughs> you're going to get muddy. And, and the, the path of life really brings about trials, doesn't it? I mean, it, it brings about trials. And if you're alive, if you're breathing, you're going to get messy and you're going to get beat up a, a little bit. And, and the burdens of life will come and the mud's going to kick up and it's going to it's going to land on you. And unfortunately, so many people just ignore this reality. I mean, they just, they just ignore this reality. And just, so, some people want to pretend that their life is squeaky clean when it's just not. <laughs> there, there are burdens. And, and, and maybe they want to pretend that, that life is squeaky clean when they have burdens because it's, it's a pride thing and they don't want other people to know. Maybe it's you know, trying to be noble and I don't want to burden you with my burdens and so I don't want you to, to know and... and and for other people, maybe it's just the fact that uh, you're not in the thick of just a heavy major burden right now, and maybe you never really have been, and so you just kind of ignore the reality that, that burdens are coming, that, that, that they're, they're really coming. And if you're going to run the race, you really think you're going to get to the end of this life without getting a bit dirty, without having the mud that life slings at you, getting kicked up on you. I'm not trying to be a pessimist here tonight. I'm trying to be a realist. I really want you to know it's coming. I really want you to know it's coming so that when it comes, your faith just doesn't crash and burn as happens for so many people. Becky and I got a phone call last night, a girl sobbing on the other end of the line uh, that my wife discipled. And uh, sure enough, it, it came for her. Her father, healthy man, running and and just fell dead, heart attack right there. Just a healthy, healthy man, and, and she didn't know it was coming. She didn't know it was coming, and, and, and I pray that time will prove that, that she was ready because she puts her faith in 
the Lord. And so I want you prepared. Others of you, you, you know it's coming. You've been there. I mean, usually it's people with a little more years under their belt. They've, they've been through the ravines and they've come out dirty. They've felt it. I mean, it, it, it's been kicked up on them. And you can say, yeah, it, it's tough. I have some battle scars. And, and then there are, are no doubt people in the room, even tonight, who you're in it just as we speak. Like the burdens are just pressing upon you. They're all over you. You feel like you are low and deep in that ravine even as we speak. But for those of you who tend to ignore it, my, my prayer is that as we look at some burdens tonight, that you wouldn't ignore it any longer. You would really acknowledge them. And in order for God's word tonight to really be pinpointed at where you're at, you need to acknowledge that life has some burdens. And so back to Galatians 6. Uh, here's the thing. The passage, uh, it feels kind of strange, uh, doesn't it? We've talked about Galatians 6, 1, which is a very powerful verse. Uh, but it feels kind of strange because when you, you look at verse 1 that says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, which means sin, if anyone is caught in sin, and then you go to verse 2 and it reads, Bear one another's burdens. It feels strange, you know? Okay, you have sin and then you have be with them in the burden. And, and what, what, is this, what is this all about? And, and it, I think probably it feels strange because far too often when we think of sin, we kind of think of kind of a shallow idea of sin, you know, like the big three, and they all start with S, sex, substance, and swearing, right? Those are the big three. That's what we think about when we, we think of, of sin. It's usually that outward, intentional, um, kind of overt sins that are visible, but the, that's not really the nature of this passage. If you, if you look at the passage, uh, it, it starts with brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, caught in any transgression, is, is, it's a unique phrase. It's, it's not that common Greek word for, for sin that we're, we're kind of familiar with, hemartia. It's, it's actually instead this, this word perpetoma, and it has this bigger meaning for, for sin. Here the idea is that you're running along and, and, and you get tripped up. The, the word actually means you get sidestepped as you're, you're running and, and sinning. You see, for, for Christians, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it says that, that we are to run the race with endurance that is set before us, and it says looking to Jesus. So as you're running the life's race, Christians, you're, you're constantly looking to Jesus. So he's our goal. He's our prize. He's the one we're trying to honor along the way. He's the one in our minds along the way. He's the one that we're growing in along the way, and he's the one that when we finish, we're going to see him. And he's what it's all about. That's, that's, that's the goal here. And so it says, looking to Jesus in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And, and, and what can happen is, is when, when, when the ravines come in life, we can get into the ravines as we're all going to get into the ravines. But some of us, we get into the ravine, we get into the valley, and, and then we get tripped up and we're caught and we, we can't get out. And so rather than as God intended to use ravines, use the valleys, the burdens in your life, rather than, than going through it and coming out of it stronger and better for it, so many people uh, go and, and, and they get caught by sin in it. That's why Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us so that we can run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus. And so that word... Um, again, that word sin or transgression, Galatians 6, one, parapetoma means, uh, again, a sidestep. You're, you're in the path, but you're not coming out the other side as God intended to redeem your trials, right? What, what was meant for evil, God uses for good. He wants to redeem your trials. What happens for so many of us is we get caught in the ravine 
sidestepped and we're kind of stuck, stuck in it. And, and, and so the problem with seeing sin is only the outward, right? All those, you know, the, the big three S's, right? The problem with seeing, seeing it only as that, the ones you consciously do, is that when another Christian approaches you and practices Galatians 6.1 and wants to pinpoint, hey, uh, there, there's sin here, and, and I care for you, and I'm doing it Galatians 6.1 style with, with the spirit of gentleness, with love, seeking restoration. The problem with seeing sin as all the outward stuff is that when they approach you, you say, no, what are you talking about? I, I'm not doing all the, the, the visible sins. I'm not intentionally in any kind of sin. I, in fact, maybe you even say, I'm the victim here. Don't you understand? And, and somebody's approached you in love and says, I'm trying to tell you that it's, it's bigger than that. There's something in your heart that you're remaining in this, this valley, in this ravine, under this, this burden. And, and, and so it's this parapetoma. It's anything that sidesteps you away from running closer um, to the Lord and and looking to Christ along the way. And notice again, it says, if anyone is caught. We've talked about this. It's not caught as in, aha, I caught you, busted, red-handed. It's not that kind of caught. It's caught as in, sin is chasing us our whole lives. You know that, right? I mean, if you've been a Christian for any more than two hours, you know that sin is, is chasing you, it's creeping at your door, and so caught here is as if you got into the ravine, you got tripped up, and bam, it just, it caught up with you, and you're kind of trapped, and you, you, you can't, you can't get out, you're, you're stuck, and, and you're not really off the path, you're not on the path, you're off the path, you're sidestepped now, and so know that the burdens are coming, and I want you to understand um, this idea of being caught in a transgression, and uh, Maybe it's a little deeper than we typically read it as. And so um, some of us need to recognize burdens and understand um, burdens a little bit. And so what I want to do now is for the next little while, I want to look at burdens and talk about, I want to talk about them a little bit. And um, I want to I look at some types of, of burdens. Can we do that? Types of, of burdens. And, and I'll give you a few here. Here's, here's the first type of burden. Uh, as you can kind of picture the ravine, the, the first type of burden is, is the burdens you choose. Burdens you, you choose. And, 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 and here's the thing. There are burdens that you have chosen to be in that you don't have to be in. And oftentimes those burdens are, are, are sin issues, just flat out sin issues. And so maybe for you it's, it's a, a sexual immorality kind of thing. Uh, I, 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 think, I think many of you know that a sexual relationship outside of marriage uh, as God designed it, is sin. And, and God hasn't said this to, to crush your joy. God's saying this because he's got something better for you. And so sexual immorality, uh, is, it's, it's sin. And, and so God speaks against it because he has something better for you. But maybe, uh, maybe you, you want it now. And, and so it's, it's willful, and you're saying, I want this. And, and what happens is, is you get into the, the, the issue, and right now it's like, man, this is this is fine, but what's going what's gonna to happen is you're going to find that you're, you get stuck in it. And, and some of you, maybe you're even a Christian, you want, you're there and you want out of it right now, and you can't get out. You're, you're stuck. You're starting to feel that you're caught. And so verse 1, you feel, applies to you. For some people, it's, it's clearly a substance. You know, you willingly, willfully uh, started to engage in this substance, and, you know, now you're stuck. <laughs> you're like, I can't can't get out of this stuff. And so it's, it's kind of those, those burdens that you say, I kind of 
I'm, I'm getting into it, not even realizing it's a burden, and it becomes a burden, a burden that you choose. Remember I told you when uh, I, I became the co-captain of the cross-country team, and we kind of made it a pride thing to run through the ravine, and then smash through the mud and get it up on us, and it was like, yes, good run. We have some, some mud on us, and it seemed like a cool idea at first. We're all laughing, and like, our you know, the muddy men come out of the woods, and the cheerleaders are practicing. We're like, look how muddy we are, and they're thinking, loser. We, we, we thought it was cool, and then, then you, get to your, you get to your car. <laughs> this happened time and time again. You get caught up in the moment, and then you get to your car, and you realize, I had this car that was so awful that I was yet so proud of, <laughs> and you get to it, and you're like, oh, I got to bring all this mud into my car, and then I, I get home, and my soggy, wet shoes stink up the entire house, you know, and little, you know, our cats and small animals are dying because of the, the scent, you know, and what seemed like a cool idea at first, eventually just becomes, you know, this, this burden that's just, what was I, what was I thinking, and so there are, there are these burdens that we choose, it seemed like a good idea at first, and then we find that we're stuck, right, there's burdens like that, and then there are, are the burdens that we kind of slide into. You know what I mean? Like you, you slide into it. You weren't trying to jump in the mud, but you slid into it, right? And now you find that you're, you're bogged down. And the, the, these are, are real burdens. And you didn't want to get stuck. You really had every intention of, of pressing through the race and, and honoring the Lord. But, but we're human. We fail. We, we make bad decisions. And you slip in, into it. And, and, and for many of us, this is just a, what the Bible refers to as wisdom issues. It's just, a, it's just a wisdom issue. You know, like, uh, for some people, it's, it's your burden right now with some major financial burdens. And, and, and maybe, maybe it wasn't a blatant sin to take out that loan. It wasn't a blatant sin to, to you know, buy that car or to take on that monthly payment. But then you get stuck in it. And you're like, Man, that was probably not the best decision. And, and the Bible doesn't directly say debt is sin. But it does talk about wisdom and, and things like that. And maybe you've made some, some wise, unwise financial moves in the past, and, and now you're feeling it. You're in it. Maybe some of you, it was just you're now be, kind of become a victim of the economy and job loss and all kinds of other, other struggles. But it's, it's brought you to the place you're at now. You're kind of in a burden. And you can keep going through it. Or what happens for so many people in that burden is it catches you. And you get caught in, in sin like anxiety over your money. Or the Bible, I don't know why this is like the, the kosher sin among Christians. We're okay with it. But the Bible is very clear about anxiety. The Bible is very clear about the sin of worrying about tomorrow. And so what happens is we, we get in a low, the ravine, and yet it catches up to us. And the Bible is very clear on that one. And so what happens is... You get in a, a difficult time, maybe you slid into the, the pit, into the burden, and then sin caught you, and now, now you're in sin. Another, another common one, just to name a few here, another common one is loneliness. You know, like it wasn't a sin to, to turn down the group of people who lovingly reached out to you and said, you want to come over and hang out with us? It wasn't a sin. The Bible doesn't say, thou shalt not, you know, not hang out with people. It doesn't say that, right? However, you know, what happens is now you feel uncomfortable and you slowly start to get into loneliness and that's a burden that, that many people kind of slide into slowly over time. And then what happens is they do start practicing some sin issues and get caught up in sin of isolation. You know, the Bible says, shall not forsake the assembling together of, of believers. And so the next thing you know, you're just 
completely disconnected from, from Christ and his church. And so what happens is, is, is you slide into something and it leads you to sin. So there's burdens you choose, burdens you slide into. And another one, very real here and tough, is, is there are burdens that you are pushed into. You know what I mean? There, there are some burdens that you're, you're, you're pushed into. And, 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 and these are the kind of burdens that I just want to tell you it's not your fault kind of burdens. Maybe some people just need to hear that. Like there are burdens that it's a lifestyle. It's your fault, the first kind. Like you chose that. It was a sin issue. Second kind we looked at, it's, it's you made an unwise decision, but it's your fault, <laughs> right? And then the next kind is there are burdens that are just flat out not your fault. You're running the race and somebody just pushed you into a burden that you couldn't help. And it wasn't a sin issue on your part. Um, statistics tell us that in this room, there are people who have been abused, whether emotionally, physically, sexually. There are people in this room who have been abused, if statistics are true. And, and, and that maybe has shaped you. It's just, man, you, you're hurt because of that. You have some real issues because of that. There are people in this room who have been shaped by a lack of appropriate parental figures. And it's shaped you. And, and, and you've been hurt, and that's a burden that's not your fault. The burden in and of itself is, is not your fault, but God has, has allowed these things to come so that you can come out on the other side better and stronger. But what happens is, is sin catches up with you in the burden, and, and rather than coming out the other side as God designed it, you get caught in there. So the burdens are not your fault, but the ensuing sin in your life is. If it keeps you from moving forward and, and pressing on, Hebrews 12, to Jesus, looking to Jesus, the burden's not your fault. But if you use the, the, the burden as a perpetual excuse for you not to become all that Christ has, has for you, that's your fault. I say that with love and compassion and, and a heart for restoration, Galatians 6.1. But, but you're stuck, and God doesn't want you stuck. You think... God sent his son Jesus to die a brutal death on the cross that he didn't deserve so that you could just stay who you are, stay where you're at in the mess. No, he's pulling you out of it. That's his heart. That's his desire. He doesn't want you you stuck. And So there are some things that, that, that you've been pushed into and it affects how you function. And now it's affecting your faith. Maybe it's causing a lack of faith and a lack of growing to all that Christ has you to be. And it becomes sin. A burden then becomes a sin. Here's the last one. Final kind of burden for tonight, and then we'll continue on a little more in the text. There are burdens that you just cannot avoid. You know, like that, that ravine was, it went clear across the property, and the trail went through the ravine, and so there was no way of, you could avoid it until my senior year, um, towards the end of the season, some kid was trying to get his Eagle Scout, and so he built a bridge over it, and that was his big project. And so we eventually avoided it, but you can't avoid it. The burdens in life, there are burdens that you just flat out cannot uh, uh, avoid. I mean, after, after the rain came, and we had to still run and practice for, for our meets, you just, you just couldn't avoid it. You were going to go through it, and you were, you were going to end up getting uh, messy along the way. And uh, if you're alive, there's going to be some unavoidable burdens that come your way, uh, some tragedies, disease, and, and pain, and, and, and death, and, and you can't avoid them. And these are nobody's fault. It's just a part of life. It's part of living in a, a fallen world, right, a world that's 
turned from the Lord. It just happens. This place is broken. God's, the, the good news is that God's going to restore this place. He's making, read the end, a new heavens and a new earth. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be incredible. But in the meantime, they're coming. So brace yourself. It's unavoidable. But how you respond is on you. It really, it's on, it's on us how you respond. And so are you, when it comes, are you going to run from the Lord? Or are you going to run to the Lord? Are you going to sidestep? Some people just do a U-turn. Are you going to run to the Lord and, and, and cling to him? And so those are a few burdens I want us to, to look at. I think it's important for us to identify them, think through them a little bit, um, because we're going to practice Galatians 6.1. It's helpful for us to know them and other people. And many of us need to know what's happening in our own life and why we're not growing into all that God has us, uh, wants for us to be. And so we need to face it. We've got burdens. And, and many people, I think, admit, have, have struggles admitting our, our burdens because we live in a culture, right, that says you've got to have it all together. You know that. We live in a culture that you've got to have it all together. I mean, when's the last time that when somebody asked you, how are you, you said, awful, <laughs> awful. You got an hour at Starbucks? Let's go. I'll tell you how I am. Awful, awful. We, we like to let people think that we have it all together when, when maybe we, we don't. Maybe we don't want people to know that we made a decision. We chose a burden, a sin burden. Maybe we don't want people to know that we weren't very wise with, with something. Maybe we don't want people to know, understandably, that we were abused. It's humiliating. Some of you think it's your fault. It's not. And so, but you, you don't want to talk about it. And then other people, you don't want to burden people with your own tragedies that you couldn't avoid, but it's here, and you don't want to burden them. Um, and, and here's what can happen. A couple things can happen as a result of us not admitting our burdens, not acknowledging our burdens. One, one thing that can happen is... Um, is relationships can be destroyed. You know what I mean? Like if you want to own up to the burdens that you're in, your relationships can be destroyed because people just don't understand where you're at. And, and, and do you really want to play the 20-question game? Like ask me a million questions and hopefully you'll find out what's really going on. No. We need to open up. If we're going to be the church, we need, to, we need to, to, to open up. And another thing that can happen is that if you refuse to acknowledge your junk long enough, if you refuse to acknowledge it, what's going to happen is you're going to start to think you don't have junk. You're going to start to look down a prideful religious nose at other people and think that you've got it together and they don't. And what happens is when you, when you think that your stuff doesn't stink, right, when you're there, what happens is, is now you, you don't even think you need Jesus anymore because you're fine. And, 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 and we turn from Jesus, so we, we really need to recognize our burdens and, and that we need some help. So truth number one, we all have burdens. There's only two, so don't get nervous. Truth number two is, is we cannot carry them alone. You know that. We can't carry them alone. Uh, if you've been around um, the church for more than, I don't know, a month, you've heard the illustration of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's talk about it again. It tells us that the church is like a body, right? You've heard this? We're the body of Christ, right? And, and so it, it says in verse 15 that the foot can't say to the hand, well, I'm not a hand, so I don't belong, right? You've heard that before. We're all part of the body, it says. So, so we all have, have different giftings from the Lord, and diversity is a really good thing that God has, has designed and uses for uh, His glory and for our benefit. And so we've heard that, right? Some are hands and some are feet, and then some are, you know, noses, I don't know. And so we're all, we're all different. And, and yet a verse we don't hear very often in that is, is verse 26, really applies to what we're talking about tonight of First Corinthians 12. It says that if one part suffers, the, all, the whole thing suffers. You ever heard that? If, if one part suffers, 
all suffer together. And so the reality is, is as a church body, if, if you're hurting, I'm hurting. Like, that's, just how it, that's just how it is. It's kind of like in, in sports, like if, 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 if I tear my ACL and somebody comes up to me and goes, how you doing? I say, well, I tore my ACL, but I'm fine. It doesn't work like that. You can't, it doesn't, that's not how it works. If you t- tore your ACL, I'm a mess. Like, I, I'm, a, I'm a complete mess, and that's how it is in the church. If, 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 you, if you roll your right ankle, what you have to do is you have to spread the burden to the rest of the body, don't you? You, you have to kind of favor your, your right ankle and, and put the weight towards the, the rest of the body. Um, you, you have to do that. The, the left leg is going to pick up a little bit of, of the weight and uh, pick it up a little bit. And so Galatians 6.2 says uh, this. We'll put that back on the screen, Galatians 6.2. It says, bear one another's burdens. And so we're called to bear the burden on other people. And maybe you're starting to think, okay, what does that look like? Bear one another's burdens. And it goes on and says, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, what's the law of Christ? Let's think back to when we looked at um, the one another that we said from John 13, love one another. In uh, and, and, and love one another, in that, that study, John 13, 34, Christ says, A new commandment I give you, that you are to love one another just as I have loved you. That's a new commandment. So the law of Christ is this. Love one another the way Jesus loves, and, and that is a sacrificial kind of love. Like it, it costs me something to, to love you in that way. And if we're really going to bear each other's burdens, it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost you time. It might cost you money. It might, might, might cost you uh, all, all kinds of things, right? But that's, that's how we uh, fulfill the law of Christ, by bearing one another's burdens, as we love one another in a sacrificial way. And then it goes on in verse 3, Galatians 6, 3, and it says, If he thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. In other words, pride's going to start to creep in to keep us from really bearing one another's burdens burdens and so he says you think that you're something you're nothing you're deceiving yourself because you're nothing outside of Christ we, we find our identity and our purpose and our our righteousness only in in, in Christ and, and you can't love other people sacrificially and fulfill the law of Christ if you you think too too much of yourself and you don't recognize that it's, it's who I am it's because of Christ it's, be, it's only because of of Christ and so we've got to sacrificially and humbly bear one another's burdens. And, and, and like Christ, we have to be willing to enter into people's pain. Have you ever thought about how crazy it is? You know, that, that verse, you know, as, as, as a kid, if you grew up in the church, anybody do Bible trivia, things like that as a kid? Um, you know, you play your Bible trivia games and you get out the felt board and do all the goofy stuff. And, 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 and uh, man, if we're going to enter into people's pain, like, like Christ, that, that cute verse, Bible trivia, they go, what's the, what's the shortest passage in the Bible? <laughs> Jesus wept, right? You've heard that as one of those fun trivia questions. We kind of laugh, like, oh, that's cute, Jesus wept. You ever thought about how crazy it is that Jesus wept? Jesus wept with, with, with Mary and Martha after the death of their brother, which is, is not, it's incredible. But have you ever thought about the fact that just a couple seconds later, he's going to say, come up from the dead? So why is he going to weep with them? He knows, he knows what he's going to do. He's, he, instead of weeping, I would just be like, watch this. Watch this. Get out your wipe those tears. Watch this. He, he enters into the pain with them, and we have to enter into the, the, the pain with other people. And I want to tell you something. If we don't, 
if we don't willingly pick up some of the weight early on, you're going to be forced to pick up even more weight later on. Let me say that again. Make sure you catch that. Think about the uh, rolling the ankle idea. If you roll your ankle and, 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 and you, have to, you have to pick up some of the weight in the rest of the body, right, to, to favor the ankle so that it can heal. But, but just suppose for, an, for a minute that, that you decide I'm not going to pick up the weight. I'm just going to keep walking on it as if nothing has changed. Nothing's different. I'm just going to keep walking. And what's going to happen? The ankle's going to get destroyed. And what's going to happen then? You're going to have to bear even more weight. Whereas originally you had to take some of the weight, but you could still have some weight. You're still limping on it. Eventually, if, if you just ignore it and just destroy the ankle, we're going to have to take all of the weight. It's going to be a, a, a huge burden on, on, on all of us. And so I say if you don't pick up the burden and some of the weight early on in people's lives, as a church, we're going to have to take up an even greater load later on. Here's what I mean. Let me give you a story. This is a hard one for me to talk about because it's a little bit of a failure on my part. Um, I was on the leadership team of, of another church here that kind of sent us um, out to Boston. And uh, we had a teenage boy who uh, was a football player. And at practice, um, the kid got a concussion. They brought him into the hospital. And you can imagine... They go in the hospital, they do all their tests and everything, only to find out that he had a brain tumor. And so the concussion was actually a blessing from the Lord that he could get looked at. And so he has his brain tumor, and they do all the stuff that they do. I mean, very quickly, he had to take this thing out, and it was just very difficult. And they test it, of course, find that it's a very aggressive brain cancer. And uh, his dad and I, through the process, just kind of began to grow close. It was really a cool thing. And and got to know each other better, and really we were able to see God do some cool stuff in this, this kid's dad's life. This dad really started to love Jesus. He just had more faith than you can imagine. Just kept telling him, God's going to do some big stuff. God's changing. Look, look how God's changing my heart through my son's issue. I mean, it's just a really cool thing, and we grew close and, 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 and until we eventually found ourselves, the dad and I, I remember the mother was downstairs crying, and the dad and I... Um, or beside the, the son's bedside as he's breathing his last breaths and, until he goes on to be with the Lord. Standing there, reading scripture with this, this kid as he's breathing these awful, heavy, heavy death breaths. And uh, it was tough. But the dad continued to be strong. We were there with him for, the, you know, for, for quite a while, myself and the leadership of the church and others in the church. And he, he said some really powerful things at the funeral. Um, but there's this thing that I've heard, and... I, it seems to have been proven true in this instance, and I've, heard, I, I've seen it proven true time and time again. It's kind of this thing I've heard called the seven-week rule. They just say, on average, it takes about seven weeks for people to stop talking about it because we don't want to bring up a, a wound, you know, and make it hurt even more, and they don't want to burden us with the wound, and so they don't talk about it anymore. It's just on average. Studies have shown people don't. After seven weeks, it's kind of a done kind of thing. And man, that's to my regret <laughs> that we didn't press harder. We didn't ask more difficult questions for the Father and hang in there and love Him more. We had a relationship and it seemed like we were, seemed like we were bearing the burden, but we weren't really entering into the pain deeply and saying, no, seriously, what really is going on in your heart? Pressing hard. Until it led to we finally got a phone call late one night, just a few months later, from the wife. 
And as a result of the, the sin, or, or as a result of the pain, led the husband to sin and do something really awful that really hurt the whole family. Really hurt an already hurting family. And what happens as a result of that is now the church had to really bear a burden that was very difficult and very heavy on us as a church. But I don't want to take anything away from sin is sin and, and there was guilt on his part. However, I can't help but think that if we were really bearing that burden better, if we really took on more of that weight in the early days, we wouldn't have had to take that awful amount of weight in the later. You know what I mean? And, and, and so I want us to, as a church, to, to be encouraged. And encouraged in terms of the, the word exhortation as we looked at. I want to exhort you that we might learn from this. That we would really bear one another's burdens. And that we would really share our own burdens with those who need to bear one another's burdens. Because if you hurt, I hurt. Either now or we're all going to hurt. We're going to hurt later. And uh, man, I pray that we're honest with our burdens. I pray that we're, 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 we're deep with our burden bearing. We really press in with people so that God can save us from some of the pain that, that can come later if we will take on more of the pain in the, in the early days. And so... Um, that's the challenge tonight, that we would be like Jesus and enter into the pain. We would weep with those who weep. We would mourn with those who, who mourn. And that, that we would enter into the pain and we would be the clarity for those people who can't see clearly because their eyes are just full of tears, pain. We would be the clarity. Some of you in here tonight, you've never given your life to Jesus. And one thing that we've said all along in this series is that each of these one another's were ultimately displayed for us in Christ, as Ben talked about. That Christ, he bore the burden of our sin, and there's no greater burden to bear, especially for the one who was sinless, who had had perfect unity with his Father from the beginning, stepped down into earth, took on our sin, so that his Father couldn't even look upon him. He died for us. So if you've never given your life to Jesus, wow, I would tell you, today would you turn to him? I, I plead with you. And he'll, he'll save you from the eternal bondage of sin and bring you to a family like this where we can care for each other and we can bear burdens. Why don't we pray? God, we love you. We thank you so much for the text that we look at tonight and what it means. God, I pray that we would be that kind of family. Pray that we would be that kind of church, that we would really bear burdens. We would really share burdens. We wouldn't be so prideful as to think that we don't have any. We wouldn't be so, so uh, trying to be noble to think that I don't want to burden somebody else because if we don't burden them with it now, it could get worse later. God, may we be that kind of people, burden bearers and burden sharers. God, help us to be the people that you want us to be. Lord, I pray for um, the people in here who aren't who you want them to be because they're stuck. Started with the burden and maybe it's led to some sin. God, I pray that you would help us to see it, pull them out because they're caught. God, we commit these things to you, Lord. 
in the name of our Lord Jesus, who bore the ultimate burden. Amen.